0: Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly. So if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. It's great to someone who's been doing it for decades, that it's like you just keep going, you just keep going, you just keep going, and then boom.
1: Yeah, I've been doing it for 26 years. I almost kind of lost hope that whatever was going to happen or I was going to get a following or people were going to really start following me in masses, whatever even happened. It's funny, my fiance and I now that all this stuff is blown up on the internet, we can't go through the airport without somebody coming up and wanting to take a picture. I thought this would never happen. And now it's happening. And Hot Breath.
0: What's goody? Hot Breathiverse. Welcome back to Hot Breath, the show where you learn comedy from the pros. I am your host comedian Joel Byers, and our guest today is the first comic to ever get a standing ovation on Jimmy Fallon, where fun fact, a week prior to his appearance, his agent had dropped him. Yes. (laughs) This is just one of the many examples of adversity he's had to overcome in his 25 plus year career, that it was all self-made, all the way through producing his own online content, while the industry was shutting him, he was out there still creating his own opportunities. What all started when he moved from Wisconsin to New York City, where today he's known for his fun and playful persona, but back then he was actually trying to emulate more edgy comics like Patrice O'Neill. So now most recently, he has blown up on social media, now selling out venues across the country. And he's here today to tell us how it all went down. So, hot brethren and sister, and welcome to the
1: Hot Breath of Verse, Mr. Pete Lee. Hey, I got some hot breath I'm bringing in here. Let's go. This is great. Yeah, it's funny that you bring up Patrice. I ran into him at the Montreal Festival when I did it. And Robert Kelly was giving me grief about, like, because, like, Patrice was, like, just notoriously roasty with people. You know, like, like and if he liked you... He would make fun of you you know and like the more he made fun of you the more he actually like saw potential in you and i mean there were comics that patrice would like crack down at the cellar and i always heard those stories but i was never one of them so of course i just like i walk up to patrice after my set at montreal and like i was doing new faces and i could see him in the back of the room because he was a giant man Mm -hmm. and i could just like see one of my heroes like just the silhouette of him as i'm i'm killing you know like it it was like first of all i didn't plan on killing and then it happened and then um and then I see Patrice so I go up to him afterwards and I'm like Patrice I'm a big fan can I take a picture and I had one of those those like digital camera cameras like before everything right. was on your cell phone <laughs> yeah. and so like I had to boot it up and it, it was a Sony and it made this noise it was like and then the lens went ring <laughs> ring and I was like oh God Patrice is gonna kill me for this you know like, <laughs> like he's just gonna destroy me And then I'm like, I'm so sorry, man. I'm, you know, I was like, I was like, you must hate me. And Robert Kelly was standing right there. And Robert goes, yeah, of course he hates you, stupid. He's like, he's like, he hates all this. And Patrice goes, no. He goes, yes, I said He goes, he goes, I want to take a picture with him. And Robert goes, if he's being nice to you, that means he really hates you. (laughs) And Patrice goes, no, I like this dude. He goes, he knows exactly what's wrong with him. (laughs) He goes, I don't need to tell him. I just saw his set. He goes, he knows that he's like painfully nice and it's stupid. And uh, I remember in that moment thinking like, I didn't even completely understand my comedic persona. And then Patrice just like told me, you know, in that moment. And then we took this picture and then he got in the van and drove away. And, you know, maybe once he got in the van, he was like, oh, yeah, I really hated that guy or something (laughs) like that. But, but like to me, he said that he liked me. And I was like, oh man, that's like the biggest compliment ever. And what year was that? I was two thousand and five. Oh, Isn't that crazy! Is that the like, same year you moved to New York? Yeah, that was the same year I moved to New York, Gosh. and um, yeah, so like I moved to New York, just like the best series of events happened. I uh, I moved to New York. Hold on, <laughs> sorry. That'd I um, great, yeah. Just, just COVID, everything. Yeah, it's just yeah. it's just COVID. <laughs> I, I was doing a joke on stage for a little while where I said, "I go, I go. Don't worry. Uh, my doctor told me I can't get COVID because I already have it." <laughs> <laughs> but no, I just had like a I had like a total post nasal drip kind of a thing, and then I was like, "Oh shit! How do I how do I finish this sentence with this?" Like, <laughs> you know? you're doing great. But, yeah, I moved to New York. I got on the soap opera as the world turns. I got Comedy Central's premium blend. That's what led into New York. And then um, I got on last comic standing and I got Montreal. and it was like, it was like a big year. But that was back in the days where like people gave you stuff, you know, like uh-huh. like you like got stuff and then things happened. Now it's like, I mean, look at the studio that we're sitting in. like this is a studio that is like, built by self-made people mm-hmm. that went, I'm not going to wait for a network to give me something. I'm going to make my own network and buy these chairs and shit like that. And these cool cameras and make stuff and put it out and people are going to watch it. And I love this model way better than this, than the, like my, I, I had a therapist that called it like the daddy son model. That was what the oh. old model was like like the network would like give you something like your dad, like, dad, can I please have a bike? And your dad would be like, yes, you can have a bike. Now people are like, screw it. I'll make my own bike. Yeah. You know, like I'll, I'll get a paper out. I'll get money for my own bike and then, you know, I'll trick it out and I'll, and people will be impressed by it. That's like the new model of new media. And that's one of the reasons why I love uh, the comics that kill page so hard is like, you guys just made that. And Mm -hmm. you went out and, reached out to comics, and we're like, do you want to collaborate? Like, I remember when you guys reached out to me, I was so excited about that. I was Oh, like, wow. Yeah, and then, like, I got, like, tens of thousands of followers off of the post that we did together. Oh, that's you know? beautiful. It was awesome.
0: Well, I love comics working together and, like, comics helping comics. You
1: know, yeah. that's, that's the new wave, I feel like. That's what you need to do. I mean, we – it was said to me, a lo- like, a long time ago – we were talking about Andrew Schultz. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew Schultz was like, we are the network. And, like, he's always been, like, when you sit down and you have dinner with him, he's always been a little bit of, like, a, a guy where you're like, am I talking to Tony Robbins right now? Because, like, <laughs> he's, like, always seeing the big picture. He's always, like, telling you the, the next thing. And he always says it with such passion that you're like, you should be wearing one of those microphones that curls around your head, dude. You know, like uh, like Tony Robbins. But, yeah, he was like, we are the network. And I remember thinking, like, no, the – at that time, I was like, the network is the network because mm-hmm. I still wanted to get, like, chosen by the network at that time. And he was saying, like, no, you got to make your own shit. You got to do this. And so I started I started dabbling and, like, editing more and shooting my sets and, like, putting up a set here and there. But I wish I would have followed his advice way earlier and, like, yeah. like, got on that train way earlier and, like, started putting stuff up because now – you know i put i put out a video every day now and like before i was putting up like 3 videos a month and being like man why aren't why aren't they getting more traction <laughs> yeah. but like if you become a network that people can like imagine that people turned on to use the network uh, approach like imagine people turn on cbs and like sometimes something was on and sometimes nothing was on you know like mm-hmm. that was what my instagram and tiktok was before And now it's like every day there's something, you know, there's, there's like always a stand up clip. And then usually I reserve like stories and that kind of stuff for like photos and like what's going on in my life kind of a stuff like, Hey, if you want to see a little bit more, you can see this. Do you, do you ever go live by the way? I don't. Sometimes I've been doing mm -hmm. a little bit more and I've been doing
0: live interviews more, but, um, I don't, not very consistent with it. Yeah. Consistency seems to be the name of the game.
1: Yeah. I just, I don't know. Every time I go live, it's like when I'm drunk and it's four in the morning
0: and my <laughs> it's a good time to do it. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and like I, I was out in Spain and we, we were at this wedding and I was just like up because of the time change and I was super bored. And then I went to sleep and I woke up and my fiance was checking her phone and she goes, did you go live? Like, right before you went to bed and I was like, oh, yeah, I went on the balcony and I I didn't have anybody to talk to. So I just went live. Oh, my. And she was like, all right. It it looks like you didn't say anything embarrassing. (laughs) She's like, apparently, like, like all my friends and family were watching you. And I'm like, oh, damn. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what I was saying, but that's like almost the only time that I like my like when I'm when I'm sober, Or like it's a day like this, like I never want to go live. Yeah. But like when I'm hammered, I'm like, we should go live.
0: That's the thing about the content hustle is it's like always feeling like you've gotta do something. I've gotta be hosting, I've gotta be creating something. Like there's that internal pressure
1: on us, especially as comedians of like, well,
0: I gotta get something.
1: Yeah, I gotta get something out. And the thing that's encouraging To that is every once in a while you put that thing out that you weren't even gonna put out Mm -hmm. and then it crushes. Yeah. And you're it's also the thing where you were looking at it and you're like, this is stupid. I shouldn't post that. And and like it just destroys. And I think that little moment is responsible for so much bad content on the (laughs) internet. (laughs) Like there's there's every every and that that little moment knowing that moment makes me forgiving. Every time I see a friend post something that's just like almost embarrassing or, you know, whatever, uh, I'm like, you know, we're all just, nobody knows we're, yeah. we're all just trying to figure out the next thing, or we're trying to figure out the thing that we're like, Oh, that's what I do online. Like we're all experimenting at this point. And, uh, I, I have a friend that, uh, that has been posting all sorts of embarrassing content lately but my my, <laughs> my friends going through something and uh, and so like I think that a lot when I see those posts I'm what's like, been working for you like what have oh. you found momentum with what popped first
0: maybe and what have you been um, doing to build on that
1: well I mean stand-up clips obviously right it, it's so funny because I was like I was trying everything I was like uh, because there's so much pressure as a stand-up traditionally to like be a really good host um, yeah, uh, which like I've hosted TV shows and stuff like that and read teleprompter and done all that kind of stuff. Um, there's like, there's so many different types of comedic posts. There's the, the one person sketches where, you know, um, mm-hmm. like my buddy Fahim Anwar does those really great where yeah he plays both characters in the thing and he's so funny, um, Like there's the just popping over content or popping over something that's topical in like a green screen approach and and like, you know, roasting it or giving commentary to it. There's all sorts of things like that. There's also like just filming classical sketches with your friends, almost like, you know, it's it's like a a lonely island kind of thing. Mm -hmm. There's music videos, you know, like like, oh, well, maybe nobody knows that I'm good at comedy music, whatever. I think that in my time. On the internet since like MySpace, I've tried my hand in like a little bit of all of that, and I was always like tr- thinking that one of those things was going to be the thing that hit, and then it turns out the thing that I'm good at, stand up, was the thing that people wanted to see me do, and it, it's so stupid like that that idea that oh my god people followed me on here because they like me because of my stand up comedy, and then now that I post stand up comedy clips they want to see that it's, it was so simple but it was so hard for me to drill into my mind mm-hmm. that that could be true
0: what and, was it was it just like self doubt that there's no way they would like me for my stand up it's gotta be something else
1: yeah well I think yeah I had this manager in New York that was a he was a really good manager I won't I won't name him or anything like that uh, I won't name him because I don't want to shame him uh, uh-huh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but um he I remember when I first moved to New York, I was, he's like, "What do you want to do?" You know, like we had that meeting. And he's like, "What do you want to do?" And I was like, "I want to do stand-up comedy." And he's like, "Yeah, but you're never going to make it if you want just want to do that." He's like, he's like, "Stand-up is whatever, but like you got to want to act. Like you got to want to sell a show, you got to want to create sitcoms." And so like throughout my years in this business, like I've I've literally like, you know, I've written for TV shows, I've produced TV shows, I've you know, I've written uh, spec scripts. I've uh, like I've done everything. I think I've mastered a lot of things that are are not stand up comedy. Before the pandemic, I was going on the road for my own sitcom with uh, with NBC, and then the pandemic happened and the plug got pulled. We were like just about to start casting people. Oh, was it, did you do that with Fallon? Did uh, yeah. you yeah. Connect the dots because yeah. I know you
0: guys hit it off and all that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And wow. it, it was one of those things where it was like, wow, this is gonna happen, and then and then. Covid nineteen happened, and then
0: it's like a sitcom. You're like the star. It's like a yeah, p-ly sitcom. Least sitcom was going to
1: be set in Wisconsin. Oh you my know? god! Um, it had like a good, you know, good real feel to it. Uh, I was really excited about it. Um, you know, I I had a showrunner, all that kind of stuff, and and then but like, so I I feel like I got good at all that other stuff that like that, you know, managers and agents always told me like that's the stuff if you want to be if, if you want people to be able to see your stand-up you have to get good at all this other stuff and I remember it always seemed counterintuitive but I was like okay and like I've taken acting classes I've gone to like so many auditions for a while like I quit touring on the road because I was like I gotta land one of these auditions wow. so like I just saved up money and I would audition every single day and I hated it like I don't know if I really like acting you know and I don't honestly know if i like like auditioning sucks so bad maybe that's maybe i think i don't like acting because auditioning is so bad and that's the majority of the acting (laughs) that i do but and then all of a sudden this like shift happened where you know specials started to be big on netflix and then the industry realized that um that you could pay like you could pay a comedian like a fraction of what you'd pay a cast for a show the production of a special is like You know you shoot like four things of it maybe two and um and so the production budget is just way cheaper than any other type of show but then the views on these specials were insane and then even if you pay a comic well for a special it's still way less than you spend on a show right and so all of a sudden the industry went wait maybe stand-up is its own thing and then it's funny how that model became a thing like oh well now i want to get a netflix special
0: mm-hmm. and
1: then all of a sudden the views on you know instagram once like Reels started um and then well igtv kind of started it and yeah when everything went vertical it seemed like there was a big sea change there big shift yeah and um and then tiktok happened and all of a sudden all the all the views started happening on that and i just started to It felt like my dreams were coming true as the industry shifted. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, I just get to do stand up. Yeah. (laughs) I love stand up and I love writing. Um, I love writing on the fly. Uh, I love writing a lot in volume as well. And like I did a show on Comedy Central before the pandemic uh, that kind of shut down the show called uh, This Week at the Comedy Cellar. And every single week I'd write 20 to a half an hour, 20 minutes to a half an hour of new stand up. Every week? Every single week. Yeah. What? It was a topical, it was a weekly topical stand up show. So all the comedians, and it was really funny because um, the first week of the show, we all came in with, or like everybody kind of came in and they're like, you know, if you have a bit about this or that, but like here are the topics and whatever. And I was so used to writing for like best week ever. And um, like I, I used to write for these shows on true TV where they would give you like this packet that was insane and I'd write like 200 jokes. So when we got the opportunity to write for this week at the Comedy Cellar, I was like, what if I actually wrote standup like how I would have to write for one of these TV shows? What if yeah. I sat down and I spent like 30 hours writing for this? So I came in to the first episode and I had written like 25 minutes on this stuff. And I told one of the head producers, I was like, hey, here's my I have a lot of stuff. I was like, can I just go until I don't have any stuff anymore? And he was like, Yeah, I guess so. So I went up in the middle of the show, I did like almost a half an hour set, which I've n- I'd never done a half an hour at the seller prior to that. And I'm crushing, and I keep looking down on my set list and I'm like, okay, you know, this one, this joke, this joke and then maybe one would go well maybe one would bomb and i'd be like ah that sucked we can all agree. that's funny that we can all agree that how bad that sucked and um uh but that taught me like that show taught me like oh my god i can write in bulk you know and so when uh when i decided to start posting every single day on social media i actually did the math and i was like okay remember how impressed we were when George Carlin would write an hour every year. Like, that's the thing that comedians still talk about, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, like George Carlin did a new hour every single year. And obviously, to write a new hour every year, you have to probably write two hours and whittle it down to one. But I was like, if I'm going to post every day, that's anywhere from 30 seconds to a minute 30. So, like, let's average a minute. I'm like, I'm going to be – I have to write over six hours of material this year that's worth posting if I'm going to post every day. So I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta this week at the comedy seller this. Like every single week I need to like write a lot of stuff. And so I during over the course of that year, uh, I think I I timed it out. Um, I think I wrote almost seven hours of stuff, but that included crowd work stuff. Mm-hmm. But I only included crowd work in it where I was like, oh, that turned into something. You know, like I really did write something on stage. But I remember thinking like like when all this became possible that we could just focus on standup, I'm like, finally I get to just like dedicate my resources and my brain power to just this mm-hmm. Instead of having to do all this other bullshit that I don't want to do, I can actually just work hard, hard at standup. And what does that work so look like for writing that you make it you
0: uh, i mean every week i just wrote you know 30 minutes of material you make it sound so easy what is it let's get into that What is does it yeah. what does that look like how do you write so many jokes so fast
1: um well it it was funny um a long time ago uh and i'll get into the technicals of that but like a long time ago i was louis ck's opener like and this was like back when he was still working comedy clubs like mm-hmm. and i I went to him and I was like, I was like, I think I know what you're doing. And he goes, he's like, that's, he goes, don't ever start a conversation with that. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, I think I know what you're doing. I'm like, you're, you're doing stand-up jokes and bits, you know, in in the traditional, you know, set up punchline tag, tag, tag. I go, but you're also like kind of doing one man sketches. And like, I was like, you're, and I know that, you know, you used to write for, uh, like the Dana Carvey show and all that kind of stuff and I'm like I know that you know sketch very well and he's like honestly he goes a lot of the stuff uh, follows the format of like find a fun game heighten 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 and then the last punchline of the bit is actually the first punchline of the next game of the next bit and just kind of almost kind of like like a one-man herald you know like mm-hmm. that you would learn if you went to study at the UCB and I was like how do I learn that and he's like well he's like, you're, you live in New York city. He's like, you should, you should actually go and study at the UCB. So on his suggestion, I went and I took all the classes at the UCB, like all of the improv, all the sketch. It's funny. The daily shows Jordan Klepper, who's just brilliant and amazing. He was yeah. my first improv teacher and we still stay in touch. And, um, he was, he was such a good teacher at teaching like the fundamental element of like figuring out what a game is. And, like the way that you find out the way that you figure out what a game is, is you just ask yourself the question, what, like, what is fun about this? Like instead of like a standups, we get in our head about, um, like how can I make this brilliant? Or like, how can I impress my friends who are comics in the back of the room? And that's not the way to get to the funniest thing ever. You know, like you're actually going to get writer's block if you think that like, If you ask the question, like, how can I find the fun? What's fun here? You're going to come up with so much content because if and I I don't know, like I'm trying to look around the room or think of something or or, or, I'll give you an example. Um, The the queen died, you know, and I remember I was just like heading to my gig and I'm like, all right, I got to write something about the queen dying because, you know, number one, I really I really like the queen. I'm I'm odd. Um, But so I wanted to write a joke. That was funny about her dying, but not like super disrespectful or so disrespectful that it was funny, you know? And so I, I started thinking, I'm like, what's fun about, about her dying? And then I just remember in my head, I go, I go, the queen died and I go fucking fentanyl, you know? Uh. And that was that joke. (laughs) And I was like, oh, that's so funny. And then (laughs) like, like, oh, you got another one, you know? And Uh, And I took that on stage that night. And then um, another thing that Louie told me is like, just like, if you take something funny on stage, your mouth will save you with the rest. Like your brain will save you. Like, don't overthink it. And like, don't overwrite a bit because a lot of times you're, you're funny and trust that you're going to be funny and like, like leap in the net will appear kind of a thing. And so I don't even know what the, the taglines on it was, but it wound up being, you know, like three or four tags And then boom, I put it on the internet and it blew up. And uh, but yeah, a lot of times that's what the writing process is. Is I'm literally just thinking like, what's fun about this? And then I take a little nugget on stage, and then I let myself uh, be save. I let myself save myself. And then um, I'm usually watching my footage like the night of or the next day because I'll I'll upload it and start to like clip it. You know, cut the selects out of it. And if I have a new bit. I won't cut. I usually won't take the first version of it. I'm like, all right, I have from Thursday through Saturday to get this down to what I need it to be um, before I I post it. And so I'll actually like work on the tags, you know, like uh, I'll go to a coffee shop, start to brainstorm or I'll just keep playing with it on stage. And that's what the creative process looks like. Okay. So when you're
0: sitting down to write tags, mm-hmm. I'd love to hear about on stage too. But off stage, let's just use the Queen example. Even though you maybe found your tags on stage, but is it yeah. like, okay, I have this fun idea, Queen Fentanyl. Do you just write that at the top, and then are you like, what are other funny ideas that connect to this? Or
1: yeah, yeah, like, well, I mean, it
0: really turns Give out. us your secrets. Bitch. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it. It all depends on whether, like, because sometimes I'll find something really funny that's like a second beat of the of the thing where where I can like heighten that thing. Um, Sometimes I'll find one really funny tag, but I won't find a second one, and like a month later I'll find it. You know, so like, Mm -hmm. I like it's not like it's not like I write things that are perfect instantly in a week. Um, But I'm trying to think of an example of something that that I've written lately. Um, okay. So I'll give you an example of something I wrote last weekend. Um, so I went on my bachelor party and I was like, like, I'm not like a drug guy or anything like that. Uh, but, uh, I, I went on a bachelor party and we partied and I, I went on stage a week later last Friday and I was just off. And I, like, I had one idea of one thing that I had said to a friend, um, When we were heading back from the bachelor party and my friend was like, oh, that's funny. You should write that down. So I had one word that I wrote down. And so I was on stage and I'm like, I was kind of bombing because I was just so uncomfortable in my own body, like nervous. And I was like, I'm so sorry, you guys, if I seem really off. I'm like, I went on my bachelor party last weekend and I was like, and I was microdosing cocaine. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and the, just the idea of microdosing cocaine, which I really did. Cause like, like a little bit goes a long way with me, <laughs> like literally the tiniest, tiniest amount. It's like, I'm, I am, I can go for like six hours where my friends are like, what, how is that even possible? I'm just, I guess I'm very sensitive to it. And then, uh, just, um, I did a couple sets that night and by the third set, like in between I'd written down some beats. I was like, well, what would be funny for a second beat? And then I was like, uh, I found it on the second set. I was like, oh yeah, I, um, I microdosed, uh, an eight ball. And, uh, I was like, it was just like a lot of tiny things, but I was like, you know, it was, it was medicinal it was therapy. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, I forgot the beat that I got to, Oh, then I, it, it went into another thing where I'm, I'm like, and I've just felt terrible all week like really bad. And I was like, and I can't figure out if I feel really bad or if this is just how it feels to not be on cocaine. And like, <laughs> I've felt this way my whole life. <laughs> and so like that was, but at all of those things, all those beats were found by just me going, well, what's fun about this? You know, like, mm-hmm. and it all started out with me feeling terrible and going like, well, What's fun about that? And then I was like, well, maybe the truth, like maybe the truth that I I tried this drug. I'm not good at it at all. It's like it's like a cool guy drug. And I took the littlest amount of it and I couldn't handle it at all. And then so I just adapted that to whatever, um, you know, the mushroom terminology yeah. is. And so many of my friends, they're like, yeah, I. I I got off Zoloft and now I'm just on mushrooms every single day and I'm like well I'm on Zoloft like you know you can just take the pharmaceutical and it's pretty great
0: (laughs) but that also fits your your voice and your persona of like this this nice guy just like this fun snuggly guy yeah how did you because I'm trying to I'm like in a I'm kind of in a transition right now in my stand-up if it's like I, I did like a self-produced comedy special mm-hmm. and I worked like 10 years to create this set and now I'm like, but what's the next chapter? And I feel myself being like, like a silly goose on stage and mm-hmm. like baby face and like that likability, but I'm trying to figure out, all right, well, what do I want to talk about? How do I kind of yeah. step into that voice that I feel <clears throat> is the direction, but I'm kind of like sputtering right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, it it's interesting because I feel like people's true comedy voices is super close to who they are when they're just hanging out you know but like and i'm somebody that i'm i've gone through so many different iterations of my my comedic voice and so i'm talking about something that i'm guilty of is that in the past i've gotten so comfortable with this is how i deliver a joke that i couldn't just be closer to who i am while i said that you know because I'd, I'd worry, I would worry that if I said the joke like how I would just say it, it wouldn't work because it works in in the voice of this persona uh-huh. in a way. And it was interesting when I started doing more crowd work and so many comedians have been too stuck up to do crowd work. And they've been critical of crowd work. Um, uh, uh, I, all right, I'm going to give a sidebar about crowd work. Yeah. I was talking to, and I, I'm not going to name the comedian, but I was talking to this uh, this comedian that will will say that they're on a big uh, big TV show. Is this in New York or LA? Uh, this is in New York. New York. And okay. um, so I'm talking to this comedian and this comedian was like trying to give me shit about being like a crowd work clip comedian, you know. Oh wow. And uh and <laughs> this comic goes this comic goes, "Yeah, well, you know, it's like those comedians who do crowd work. Oh, sorry, Pete, you do crowd work. Sorry, I just think it's shitty." And I pulled up my Instagram and I go, do you see this number? <laughs> I, go, <laughs> I go, I go, I go 10 million people watch my crowd work clips every single, uh, every single month. Wow. And I go, I go about 1.5 million people watch the shitty TV show that you're sort of on.
0: Oh <laughs> man. Cause this
1: person's not really on that TV show. Like, it's just like, like a little tiny spot part and everybody at the table um we were at the cellar table everybody at the table like went oh you know Uh because it was like uh, like I'm almost uh, like embarrassed saying that I was that mean to somebody but like it was uncharacteristically mean but it also (laughs) it, it really encompassed exactly how I feel about that like I don't feel like any anybody in comedy should ever be like too good to do anything in comedy you know like yeah like you go to open mics and you'll you'll see that asshole, uh, open micer that's like, Oh my God, like you just did a joke and then you did an act out. And I'm like, well, what if the act out is really funny? What if it helps? What if the crowd, if it like, what if it helps somebody in the crowd, like really take that humor and identify with something inside of them and it made them feel good. You know, like is, are you still too good for an act out? You know? Yeah. I've heard
0: you say that you want to make sure people feel your jokes. Yeah. How do you make sure there's an emotional connection with the audience?
1: I actually um, – I do it in the setup of the joke. Like like that's um, – because like one of the ways to get people to like instantly connect with a bit is to be vulgar. Like that's why a lot of like – a lot of the vulgarity in a joke isn't even in a punchline. It's um, it's in the setup of it because vulgarity makes you like – it makes your, your senses snap too and it makes you um, – it makes it just like – I don't know, there's something about it that makes you go, and then like when you're emotional about something, you you connect with it. Well, I've I've like really studied that and I try to never bring up a topic unless I can like make it emotional, you know, because hmm. why why in the hell am I talking about it if it's not emotional? You know, like um, even like the silliest thing, uh, like I have the bit about motion sensor sinks and like the like it's it's like really about getting into a f- like I hate conflict and I'm getting into a fight with an inanimate object and I'm losing mm. and like so that's what the whole bit is about it's not even about the like the punchlines within it it's about the fact that I'm like I hate conflict I hate arguing and now I'm losing an argument while I'm by myself with this thing you know Interesting. and I think that I think that's what like even though I'm, people are identifying with emotion sensors, sync, and how frustrating those things are, which that's an emotion within itself. They're really identifying with like, God, I hate getting into fights, and I hate losing a fight, especially like when I shouldn't even be in one. You know. Oh, interesting. And my one of my best friends, Joe. We have this. Uh, we have this motto that we say: no drama during fun time. Like, if we're out drinking or if we're out partying or whatever, if somebody in the group has drama, we're like, nope. Like, don't don't give me drama during my fun time, you mm-hmm. know? And, like, uh, the, when I thought of the motion sensor sinks thing, I actually was, like, a little hammered because, you know, I get hammered a lot. And I remember thinking, like, no drama during my fun time, you know? And so, like, that was the core of the emotion of the whole thing, which I, 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 I really believe in that, like, because, like, in the in the diagram of a joke, there's the setup and the punchline, right? Let's let's make those like parallel lines, mm-hmm. right? Um, all right, I'm gonna do this. So setup, punchline, um, and then intersecting through here is um, this is like your point of view, right? This is like your comedic point of view, and then this line I call it "Who the fuck cares," <laughs> <laughs> like right? Like yeah. we we've we've all uh, and these like these intersect both the, the setup and the punchline. And so, like, we've all seen somebody, like, do the most brilliant joke on stage, but, like, maybe it goes through their, their point of view, but, like, all, who the fuck cares, you know? And um, so, like, that's why you need to make it emotional, you know? Like, you need to make it emotional because as soon as you make the bit emotional, people start to care about it because it resonates with their own emotions you know oh. and that's why like and i'm i'm a big fan of vulgarity like when i said that about you know like that being a trick to like get people into it i'm a big fan of it especially when it's done really well um but like i am a bigger fan of figuring out how to trigger people emotionally in like a really creative way that's interesting
0: so that yeah. for your sync example it's like if you just had the joke about the syncs being frustrating, that's like one level of connection. But when you mm-hmm. personalize it to the context of you hating conflict, and this mm-hmm. is like an example of that, now it creates a, a joke that's, some jokes are like laughable, but they're not memorable. And mm-hmm. I guess that extra layer is what actually makes it memorable and they come up afterwards and are like, oh my gosh, I feel the same way.
1: Yeah, and to put it into an online context, I think if, if you really, like if, if you went through the timeline of of anybody's bits... If you got to see all the metrics and you could see the paper plane, you know, that gets flown over to people, the share button, usually if something's really emotional, that's where somebody will send it. Like that's where somebody will share that because the like comedy videos have become a way of communication, right? Like we never know how to start a conversation with our friends or like, let's say, you know, that person that you really care about that, um, that's going through something and you you don't know how to just message them. Hey, how you doing? Right. But like, let's say they just went through a breakup and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, comedian Chad Daniels has a bit about breakups and then you can just fly the paper plane over to him send them the thing and be like, thought of you. And then they can, they can laugh about it and, be like, and then it starts a conversation, you know, yeah. like all any of us want to do or connect. And like now it's crazy because these standup clips actually like help us connect with each other. It's really oh. neat. Yeah.
0: Know? Do you find yourself writing in that way? Now you got me thinking, well oh, I should start writing jokes that people would want to send to each other.
1: Yeah. That's well, I just, I just write to like what I feel emotional about. I write to what, like what? Whatever's happening in my life, you know, I'll be like, all right, I gotta, I gotta write about that. Or like, like whatever uh, just happened to me, um, I'll try to like write like whatever the true story is, and then I'll try to figure out what the fun is within that. Um, uh, but yeah, I just try to write to what's interesting, and then I hope that other people find the same thing interesting. Um, but yeah, that I've never. Well, I can't say that I've never. I've actually thought to myself, like, what are people thinking about? What's trending? And can I write jokes about that? Right. And for some reason, I've never been able to do that. Like, um, I guess maybe it feels too, um, I I don't know. It it feels like I'm conspiring for views or something like that. Yeah. But um, I think about it in after, like retroactively, I'll be like, oh, that's why this one did better than that one because people care about that. It's emotional to them. But I, I, never, I never think that way. Um, like Jared Freed has a really great, I would call it like a series of bits that he's done. And he did a, a segment on it in, in his um, Netflix special recently. And it's, it's based upon one question of what's your ick. You know, mm-hmm. like, like how women will have be like, oh, I didn't like, like he was super hot, but he was wearing sandals and I, that's my ick or, or like, um, he brought up his mom on the first date. That was my ick or whatever. And Jared, I, I don't know how many, I think he's done like over a dozen videos about what's your ick. And I bet, I bet the shares on those are yeah, crazy for sure because it's such an emotional topic. And like, but I feel, I don't feel like. Jared saw that as a trending topic and then wrote something on it I think that Jared Jared heard about that got really interested in it so interested that he started asking people from stage and then it became a thing you know. Yeah,
0: that's I'm trying to figure out I guess the, the crowd work side is I, I've caught myself sometimes like doing crowd work, like, all right, how can I force a viral moment here? And then yeah. it ends up just falling apart because I'm not in the moment being authentic. You yeah. Know, it almost it has to be authentic, it seems, to really break that next level.
1: Yeah. Every time that I'm doing crowd work and I start to think to myself, like this needs to become something, or or like I can tell this is gonna be something, and I, I start to think about the process that's happening instead of just really flowing and being in the moment, that's where it stops. Mm -hmm. Like the crowd can, it's like the crowd can see me tighten up. Um, And and like at the UCB, they literally sell sweatshirts that say, don't think. And, um, and like, I'll, I'll tell myself that on stage. I'll be like, don't think Pete, like just, just react, just react. And then I have it so often when I'm watching things in post where Like, I'm like, I'm sitting there just feeling like a guy that's in my head, uh, hoping that I can think of the next thing. And then I'm watching this other guy on stage, that's me. And I totally know that's me. I don't have schizophrenia. Um, But I'm watching that guy going, man, that guy's good. Mm -hmm. Like, that guy just thought of four things in a row that were really funny. And like, I couldn't think of that, but that guy can. But it's like, it really is a testament to what can happen if you just let yourself flow mm-hmm. and um I saw I saw this interview with Bob Dylan on TikTok. And he wasn't on TikTok, but it was like an old interview that was I, That TikTok. is such
0: a 2023 thing to say. Yeah, <laughs> I saw yeah. a
1: clip of Bob Dylan <laughs> on TikTok. Yeah. yeah, and Bob Dylan said that like he had he had like a lightning in a bottle um like few years of creativity and then he said the, like the lightning dried up and Um, I don't think that I've ever written anything that's as good as like, you know, songs that Bob Dylan, uh, has written. So I'm not trying to like truly equate myself to him, but I remember there being a point in time where I had written like a good 45 minutes. And then I thought to myself, like, I can never write anymore. Like, so I thought that I had my lightning years and it dried up. And then I started to create in this more game, game minded sense and, all of a sudden, it was like there's just unlimited creativity because I'm I'm just flowing and I'm not thinking and I'm le- I'm just letting it come out of me and um, it was I don't know like I kind of wish that Bob Dylan wasn't so famous so that he, he he could create as not a famous person and just let it rip. <laughs> you know, yeah. is it is um, the game? Is that what you referenced earlier? In like, yeah, like,
0: is that what you mean by game?
1: Game, yeah. So game is a UCB term. And, um, game is basically what standups would call premise, mm-hmm. like the nut of it. What's the, what's the, what's the, f- the big idea? Like what's the fun idea? And so, um, yeah, it's like the thing that, that makes the whole bit. And, um, in standup, you do like setup, punchline tag, tag, tag in like an improv and sketch. You just go, what's the funny thing? And then how can I heighten it? Like like, how can I make it bigger and bigger until it, it hits that end beat? And so I try to think of things in terms of like this model, but sometimes this joke to me is just the start of the game, you know? Uh-huh. And then I'm trying to heighten it and play it. And the really the emotion is the thing that keeps the – it's the fire that keeps the pistons moving in the engine of the whole thing. Okay,
0: so but, when you have a game, you then ask like, "How do I feel about this?"
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm always asking myself how I feel about it, and and the more honest that you can be with yourself, the the more creativity that will flow. Um, one of the things, like, if you're being dishonest with yourself, because or, okay, so let's say you have one one funny punchline, and you're like, "God, this is the thing," and I gotta I gotta figure out more stuff that that goes off of this. Um, Sometimes this punchline isn't truly how you feel, and so that's why you can't write the rest of the punchlines. But um, sometimes if you let yourself go, well, all right, let me just let this go and let me see what else is true here and let me see what's more true than that, sometimes you can get to something even funnier and then write the rest of it. That's kind of like, I mean, you've probably had it where you, you wrote a bit And, like, one of the taglines wound up being the big thing. Mm -hmm. Like, you're like, I thought this was going to be the thing, but this was actually the thing. Right. And so then you hate to throw this away because you thought this was a diamond in the rough. But eventually you got to be like, well, fuck that. I got (laughs) to go with this. And then this spawns a whole nother bit. Yeah. And so sometimes you just have to do that. And you got to ask yourself, like, well, what's how do I really feel about this? You know, a lot of times what's funny is what you don't want to admit, you know, Mm. like, like the, the thing that you don't want to tell people, because like we go, we go around our whole life, our whole lives and we're like, just, just be cool. Like we almost don't want to be seen, right? Like, don't, don't, please don't see me, you know, please don't see what's in here. But a lot of times if you let people see what's in there, the thing that you're trying to hide, that's the thing that people find funny because they're like, oh man me too you know um jeff ross said to me one time um uh (laughs) jeff ross said to me one time i go go, how do you roast people and he goes he goes you find the one thing he goes everybody when they leave the house they have one thing that they're hoping you don't see (laughs) 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 and he goes find that thing he goes and do not deviate don't find that one thing and then try to find other things. He goes, find that one thing he goes and pick that scab until it bleeds until it's brand blood, because that's (laughs) the thing that you want to focus on. Wow. And, and like, I've always thought about that with writing, you know, like I'm like, well, like, what's the thing that I don't want people to see when I leave the house? What's the, like the thing the other night that I didn't want people to see was like, emotionally, I wasn't doing very well. And it's because chemically, I like I did this drug that now zapped my dopamine, serotonin, and norepinephrine, and I just wasn't functioning at full strength. I was like maybe borderline about to have a panic attack, and then as soon as I just told the crowd that, and I told it, I told them why I was able to get to that funny punchline of like why microdose cocaine, you know, mm-hmm. and like, and then it wound up being a, a real funny thing. So like yeah, a lot of times it like. If I could give advice to any comic, like try to find the thing that you're hiding and say it, you know, like mm. point it out. Uh, it's the old Richard Pryor thing. Like they can't, you know, they can't make fun of me. Um, you know, like he, he said that in prison, he was really funny because he's like, well, they can't, they can't tear me apart if I make fun of myself. You yeah, know, like, nah. nobody's gonna beat me up if I beat up myself verbally. So like find the thing that you don't want anybody to see and point it out. You know, oh, that's gold. Well, yeah. this, is, this has been amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're you're the man, Pete. I appreciate
0: dude, you dude, you're carving the man. out time to do this. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> just two nice guys trying to out-nice each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, you're, no, yeah. you're cool. No, you're no, cool.
1: No, yeah. you are. You are. I'm, by the way, I, I started sweating. I don't know why. <laughs> like, look at my shirt. I, look, like, I always say, like, like, this looks like I have, like, like sports bra tits. But this is so funny. Um, I don't know why, like. That could be new merch. Yeah, just yeah. like yeah. just make a black T-shirt with <laughs> sweat sweating. under it. Yeah, yeah, People will be like, "Oh, do you have sweat?" Be like, "No, this is like this killer new shirt." Yeah, <laughs> by Snuggle Storm Productions. Killer, yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know why. Maybe I'm still recovering from, uh, from microdosing cocaine or something mm-hmm. like that <laughs> two weeks ago. But well, I
0: don't, I don't want to make you sweat more. But the final thing I ask, I always ask a comic on here their worst like bombing story or them getting booed or something. Oh and yeah. Can build that sweat yeah. a little
1: more there. I yeah. I you know what's funny? I have so many friends that they they like they'll wear layers because they don't <laughs> want to like sweat to show. Uh-huh. And I've just gotten to a point where I'm like, I'm just gonna sweat on camera. And like I my videos, you know so many times I'll post a video and I have like a big sweat stain and I'm just like, well, the clip is too good. I got to post it. (laughs) Like, I got to post this shit. I don't care if I'm sweating, you know, like, isn't that a funny secret that we try to keep? Like I sweat. So does everybody. We have glands, you know, but, um, anyway, the worst I've ever bombed. Um, so I used to go out to long Island. Uh, there was this comedy club that uh we'll just say it doesn't exist anymore for the for legal purposes. Mm-hmm. But uh this comedy club was run by the mob. Like th- like the the mob. And um like there were like weird guys that would come in to get packages and like the the head of the club was like this mob guy that was like, you know, you'd always have on these really great suits and rings and all this kind of stuff. And I would go out there and I'd bomb my fucking face off. Like the crowd would hate me. And like I would be doing like, I would just go up there with my inner joy, you know, that I have. Right. And all these Long Island people would be like, boo, fuck you, get off the <laughs> stage. And I just would, I I couldn't do well. And then they kept, every time i get off stage, uh, the mob guy would be like, when can we get you back? And I'd be like, what? Like, I, I was so broke. Be, and they'd pay me like $600 for a weekend just to take the train out from New York City. And so I'd be like, okay, well. I guess like two weeks from now, three weeks. I just kept bombing my face off, and like so. This isn't a story of like the worst I've ever bombed. Um, I have I have a couple of those, but like um, this is more like how bombing continuously in this room helped me figure out my comedic point of view. Mm. Um, that's the the crux of the story. Uh, so I finally asked the the mob guy. I was like I was like I never do well here. And I'm like, you, you have so many guys to go on. Like, it'll be like Joey Rigatoni, you know, and like, like he'll go on stage and be like, you know how you, hey, do you ever wake up and your ma's just on your ass, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, and the, the whole, the whole crowd would be like, yeah, I know what that's like, you know, and, uh, and, and then I'd have to follow an MC that's just burning the room up, and it'd be twenty minutes of crickets, and I, I finally asked the guy, I was like, why do you guys bring me back here all the time? Why do you keep having me back? Do you believe in me? And they're like, no, they're like, we know how funny you are. We've seen you in the city. And it's really funny to us that you're so bad here. And we, we, they're like every second that you're on stage, we're in the back of the room fucking dying because (laughs) you're so horrible here. And so we'll keep paying you to come back. And I was like, and I remember I was riding the Long Island railroad home that night. And I was like, I'm going to get good. I'm going to show these, I'm going to show these guys. And I remember thinking to myself, like, like, well, what's why don't I work out in Long Island? It's because like there's there's enough of like a jaded sense of the Long Island people that me walking out there like all happy. They were just like, I'm not buying it mm-hmm. like the, So I was like, what's true? And like, what's emotional about this? Like when they see me, they're like, they're like, that's fake. You're fake. And I hate it. And. So, so, um, uh, I've, I've had a sniffle and then <laughs> I had a really weird dog burp. Um, but, uh, anyway, so I, I've, I came out the next time that I came out there and I just, I had like pre-written a bunch of jokes about how much they hate my joy, you know, and like how disgusting my happiness must be to them. And all of a sudden I started killing and, and like, I had that first two minutes of killing to where they then trusted me. And then it turned out that the rest of my jokes about just kind of being happy and being me followed suit with shitting on myself. And I remember thinking, oh my God, I think this is a thing. Like, I think this might be my thing. But that was kind of the thing that I felt like I was hiding from them. Like I was hiding when I went on stage, you know, like I, I was even hiding like you hate me. Like, Oh, ah, we're, we're having a good time. Aren't we? No, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> like they weren't having a good time. And so like, once I just addressed what that was and my relationship to to it, that became kind of the, the start and the cornerstone to my, to figuring out the sense of humor that I do all around the country now oh. of like, this is me. I'm a little much like, I just want to connect. I know nobody wants to connect, you know, um, uh, Like, I know that that's annoying and this is me, you know, and, but it turns out that a lot of people, they either, they either go, yeah, you're annoying. And I think that's funny. Or they're like, you're like me. And finally, like there's somebody up on a stage with lights on them that is semi-cool that is like me. And so I want to go hear about that because that's emotional. Wow. So that's what bombing in Long Island, uh, did to me and, um, and yeah, and I'm still friends with those guys that are, uh, that are in the mob. So, yeah. it, and it's really funny because I'm I'm a pretty sweet guy and I'm pretty earnest and, and I've just come on your podcast and said that I did cocaine once <laughs> and I'm friends with the mob. <laughs> microdose though. <laughs> yeah, micro-dose. I, I microdose. I, yeah, dude, I can't handle any amounts of it it's, like, <laughs> it's so sad But
0: <laughs> well for anyone that wants to microdose cocaine with you how can they contact you what's the oh. best way to connect <laughs> with you
1: <laughs> connect with me on social media I'm at Peatly 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 um, or if you want to go to one of my tour dates, uh, go to petelee.net. I have all my tour dates there. Uh, my fall tour is already selling really well, and I can't wait. Congratulations! It's be so much fun.
0: Yeah, it's great to someone who's been doing it for decades. Yeah, that it's like you just keep going, you just keep going, you just keep going, and then boom.
1: Yeah, I've been doing it for um, 26 years. Wow. It's yeah. uh, it, or actually, it's coming up on 26 years. I've been doing it 25 years, and it's coming up on 26. But like, yeah, I mean, at some point. I almost kind of lost hope that whatever was going to happen or I was going to get a following or people were going to really start following me in masses, whatever even happened. And, you know, I've been touring for 23 years. And it's funny, my fiance and I now that all this stuff is blown up on the Internet, like we can't go through the airport without somebody coming up and wanting to take a picture. And I'm like, there will be times where we're just trying to get where we're going. And my fiance will be like, oh, come on, you know. But I'm like, no, you don't understand how special this is like. Like, I like I thought this would never happen. Mm-hmm. And now it's happening. And I love it every single time.
0: Awesome. Like, I love it. Well, I'm grateful to capture this moment in your career. And I'm excited to do more
1: together. Yeah. Well, yeah. And uh, thanks for bringing out the tootswift, Of course. This. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know what that is. I did just have... <laughs> I did just have a double shot of espresso right before I came here, so maybe the espresso is boiling. Espresso, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Microdosing yeah. espresso. Yeah, I was microdosing espresso. Yeah. I was macrodosing espresso. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was doing. All <laughs> right, well, yeah. thanks for on hot breath, Beely. Dude, thanks for having me. Boom. Dude, boom. All right. Yeah. Hot breath.